We are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pokemon Masterclass. My guest today is a YouTuber and middleman for PSA, Beckett, and CGC. So if you guys have seen any card graded before, I'm sure he has as well, and probably in the thousands. Now, you guys know him by his awesome videos, but you probably know him even better by his contagious laugh, which I'm sure you'll hear a lot of that here tonight. Please, everyone, welcome to the podcast, my good friend, Omash. What is going on, my friend? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Super stoked. And now I'm self-conscious about my laugh, so I'm going to try not to uh, <laughs> laugh too much. No, man, don't don't be self-conscious at all. That that laugh is like one of a kind. I, I think that's like your, at this point, that's like your trademark, among other things, among your great content and everything. That is, that's a that's a great trademark. No, yeah, it's, uh, I definitely get a lot of comments about it. Some people hate it. <laughs> Some people think it's great. So it's uh, whatever people think, I guess. Well, you can't please everybody, but uh, Omash, I, I'm so happy to have you here, my friend. We've got a lot to dive into here today, and uh, I'm sure everybody that is joining in with us today, and at, if you don't know already, this is the first live Pokemon Masterclass that we've had. So we've got some people joining us today uh, live from all over the world. And everybody out there, one of the big talks of the town right now is around all of the grading companies and all of the things that are going down with graded Pokemon cards. And Omash, <laughs> you, you are probably one of the best people I know to speak on this subject. You have handled thousands and thousands of graded cards across the, the big three, really, like I said before, PSA, mm -hmm. Beckett, and CGC. And you're one of the few people that I know that has a repertoire among these three areas. Now, I've talked to uh, James uh, from ZNG Emporium. I've talked to Graded Jim. Those guys really specialize in PSA. Our good buddy Jules, he's uh, very uh, <laughs> proficient with CGC. But you're uh, one of the few people that I know that has experience in all three. So I'm definitely excited to pick your brain today and uh and learn a little bit more so i think the best place to start for anybody out there that may not be familiar with you with your channel uh -huh. let's go ahead and go back to the beginning let's go back to the origin of homage go ahead and give us a little background <laughs> on how you started and uh, ultimately what made you jump onto youtube yeah so i'm not the you know most uh well basically i'm bad at explaining things <laughs> so i i don't know i'll try to explain it in the nicest way possible i'm also just getting used to like the lag watching the live on this other screen versus what we're actually saying right now it's super <laughs> weird <laughs> like you said this is your first live master's class uh this is my first live ever like mm -hmm. ever uh on youtube anyway i've done like whatnot stuff um and that's all live but Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is first for you and me today. Um, well, good. Yeah, we're, for anyone we're breaking who... it in together, man. That's what I like to yeah. hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, for every, anyone who here who doesn't know me, though, my name is Omash. Uh, I'm a Poketuber. Although, I guess you can't really call me a Poketuber now because I'm pretty heavy into, like, Dragon Ball. And even Digimon stuff is catching my eye nowadays. Um, but I started YouTube back in late 2019. So it's been just over a year, uh, a year and a half now almost. 
And really, I just started it completely on a whim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't plan for it. I had no sights or dreams about becoming a content creator or anything like that. But I was opening cards by myself um, back in 2019. And a friend just kind of messaged me saying, you should start a YouTube channel. Um, and, you know, my wife kind of brought it up as well because she would hear me freaking out just by myself in my room like upstairs right <laughs> and i guess people kind of you know they like that content they like seeing people's reactions and stuff i've never really been into youtube or watching streams or anything like that so i'm like no way <laughs> i'm i'm not that funny you know i don't have the personality for youtube basically um but then as soon as my friend said that to me it just wouldn't leave my mind like i couldn't stop thinking about it um not only because it's a pretty good excuse to buy and open a lot of pokemon cards <laughs> but you know it, it's also kind of cool to the idea of creating content and helping someone else have a, a good and fun day or you know time watching you it, it's a pretty cool concept to me and i've really enjoyed that aspect of content creation um, so yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell, uh, not a good planner, <laughs> didn't start YouTube, you know, with this huge plan of success or anything, just kind of did it on a whim and it's been one of the best decisions. It's been awesome. Well, I have truly enjoyed your journey and I was actually watching you prior to starting on YouTube myself and, uh, oh, nice. it's, it's been fun. It's been fun to see your progress and watch you grow and and the content that you've been providing and you're you're just uh you're just north of the border from me you're, you're located in utah oh, yeah. correct yeah just right above you <laughs> yeah part of part of that four corners but uh so you got into youtube um and you started creating content at what point did you decide that you wanted to start moving into this middleman service yeah, so that's a solid question. It was probably, well, I started it back in July, end of July. Um, and so that would have put me about eight, 10 months-ish um, since starting the channel. And I was, I don't even think I had hit a thousand subscribers. Well, I can't re really remember, but the whole premise of the middleman thing was just a way to give back to my supporters, right? Give back to the Omash nation in a way that would be beneficial for them. Um, and I, at the time I had just renewed my PSA membership. And so it was kind of fresh on the brain and just thought, Hey, I wonder how many people would want to get their cards submitted or trust me enough <laughs> to grade their cards. And so I kind of just ran with the idea. Um, and it's been a hit. <laughs> so many people love it. S hundreds of people have submitted and it's it keeps on going up every single time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, with that, with starting that, that middleman service, what were the first steps that you took? It, did you reach out to uh, PSA directly and, and did you have to fill mm -hmm. out uh, forms and information basically stating that you were going to be a certified dealer through PSA Beckett and through CGC? No, so there is that process because, <laughs> you know, the really big companies like Ludkins and uh, Graded Gem and those guys, they actually have official partnerships, I guess you can say, with PSA. 
Um, they even get little discounts from them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have anything like that. I don't have nearly even a percentage of the volume that they submit um, weekly or, you know, whatever, however often they submit. And so I didn't talk to PSA or CGC or Beckett or any of them. I just kind of made all the memberships, figured it out and just offered it kind of to my little following um, just as like a perk or a way for me to give back to them. Um, Cause yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, if I messaged PSA and was like, Hey, can I be a partner? <laughs> Do I get any discounts? They would ask, you know, how many cards I'm sending. And then they would just probably laugh at me because <laughs> the big guys are sending in thousands, tens of thousands, whereas I'm sending in, you know, a few hundred. <laughs> mm-hmm. So nothing still, like that on the initial startup. Which is still no small, uh, no, no small matter. I mean, hundreds of cards mm-hmm. and, you know, people entrusting you with their, their prized possessions. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of responsibility there. So along the way in in doing this middleman service, um, what are what are some of the changes that you have seen along the way from the time that you first started last July to what you're you're starting to see now? Um, and I'm I'm more interested from the aspect of the types of cards that people are sending mm-hmm. to you, and are you starting to see more? sports cards coming in are you starting to see more dragon ball cards digimon or is the uh ratio whereas i i feel like before last year like it was everything was so pokemon heavy and now <laughs> that we're starting to see more of a popularity among other hobbies other tcgs I, I i think we're starting to see more movement among those hobbies and people getting their cards graded so just interested what you've seen there yeah, so I think we can all agree that uh, collectibles in general, basically anything that you can open, <laughs> anything that's cardboard, uh, it's blown up and it just keeps on going up, right? Um, but at first, so on my channel, I've always been more of the a fan, a proponent of collect or grading and collecting what you want, right? Like it doesn't matter the values. It doesn't matter if it's the rarest card in the set. It's if you like the card and you want to protect it forever, then that is what you should grade, right? Um, Whereas I know you, Shad, you're more in the (laughs) financial side of things. Um, So I think at the beginning, I noticed just a lot of um, cards that people really cared about, right? Like some of their favorite cards. Um, Whereas I would say near the December range where things were kind of really blowing up, uh, you started seeing a lot more, um, I guess you can call them random cards. Uh, You know, no card is random to me. (laughs) I enjoy every single card, but I guess we can just call it that for the sake of this conversation. Um, Really just any sort of full art, even a bunch of hollow rares, just anything and everything that someone thought that they could make profit from, I was getting um, just in massive influxes. <laughs> like it was pretty crazy, uh, but it made sense for the time just with the boom of everything. Right. Um, and so me right now, I actually only grade Pokemon and Dragon Ball Super TCGs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have never really submitted uh, magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or uh, sports cards, but I can tell you that I turned down <laughs> a lot of people who want to submit sports cards. 
um, daily I'm getting messages. Hey, do you do sports cards? I'd love to submit with you. Um, and I, you know, kindly decline just cause I don't know anything about sports cards in general. I've, mm -hmm. I'm a big sports fan. <laughs> I know everything and everything about the NBA and NFL, but when it comes to the actual cards and how that whole thing works, I know nothing about it. And so it would be a nightmare for me to try and submit those cards to get graded because you actually need to know quite a bit of all these cards, you know, in order mm -hmm. to submit them correctly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting at the beginning. Obviously I was just starting off I had a much smaller following, so it was a lot smaller amounts, um, but of cards that people just really cherished, I would say. And then as I grew and, you know, collectibles or Pokemon blew up with the, with the times, um, I was just getting more and more cards of all sorts of ranges, it, you know, hollows, non-hollows, secret rares, golds, rainbows, just everything and anything, basically. Um, whereas now, obviously, where PSA has shut down, um, I actually have, I've, <laughs> before this live, I was preparing submissions because tomorrow I send out. Um, and this has been one of the smallest submissions since I've started, just because the only options are CGC and Beckett right now. Mm -hmm. um so it has been interesting to see you know the the changes of the times but for the most part because they're all coming from the homage nation i feel like i you know show and um express that collecting is for you like there is no right or wrong way there isn't just you know you can only collect or grade super rare and valuable cards you can grade whatever you want like grade if you just love an artwork, get it graded, protect it forever. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think I've seen a pretty steady flow of just people who want to protect their cards that they love. Yeah, and that all makes sense. I And it's funny because that, that trend, we haven't just seen that in the graded card realm, but really throughout, in my opinion, through Pokemon in general, we really hit the peak and the height right around the end of last year. And I have seen mm -hmm. kind of a trough where we're kind of get, hitting a little bit of a, a dipping point now, I think, in the in the overall popularity of the hobby. And I think a lot of that has to do mm -hmm. with the world opening back up, people going back to a lot of things that they they were accustomed to doing before. And so a less emphasis is placed on um, you know, on Pokemon and, and a lot of the eyes aren't on YouTube and online anymore like they used to be. Now, I'm also interested with this, with this trend that we've that you were seeing near the end of last year, mm -hmm. where it seemed like every single card out there was getting graded. Didn't matter what it was, didn't matter if, <laughs> like you said, a lot of full art trainers, a lot of just regular rare or reverse rare cards being sent in in mm -hmm. massive quantities. It wasn't surprising to me when PSA finally announced that they were going to close. And, and they've, they've done this before, and uh, especially through uh, people like Graded Gem have done it before. Um, I was surprised to see how long they closed for, with it being basically three months that they're going to be mm -hmm. closed. Um, like I said, I, I wasn't surprised that they did that to try to catch up on the backlog. What I'm really interested to hear from, from your perspective is right now we just have Beckett and CGC. And I would... 
wager that Beckett is probably in a very similar position at this point, like PSA. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and and 100%. It, it's probably not long before CGC ends up in a, in a similar position as well. So I definitely want to hit on that with you of like what you think they will do to try to overcome that. But let's, let's start with PSA. When mm-hmm. they do, in fact, open up, they did announce, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they announced that they would be opening back up or they would they would start opening their various tiers, I believe, on July 1st. So they would go through mm-hmm. and they would start opening up all of those various tiers, so value, economy, basically all of those bulk tiers. In my yeah. opinion, I don't think that they're going to. I think this is like an about <laughs> like an about face that they're putting out there to appease people to kind of give them the the hope that these will come back. And even if they do, I think that they're going to come back at a very uh, a much higher price point for those. Yeah. Because if you think about it, and and again, I want to hear your perspective on this. If you think about it, People were able to send in cards. And even if you were going and you were getting the the basic, you didn't have a membership, anything like that, $20 a card, that the 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 value that you can gain, the premium that is gained by having a card graded can be 10x, 20x, can, can be huge. So it, to mm-hmm. me, it wasn't surprising that they raised their prices. But in my opinion, those lower tiers, those bulk submissions, I think those are going by the wayside and I think they're going to focus more on like really high end cards and, and that, that price point is going to be, it's going to, it's going to be that it's going to be suited for those high tier cards and, and the price point will reflect that. What what do you think? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I, I would hate to, to see personally that PSA just gets rid of any sort of value options. Um, Cause in my head, that's just like the rich get richer kind of perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's fair. And whereas I've, I believe that anyone should be able to get their cards graded um, if they really want to. Now, if I were PSA, I agree with you. I completely understand why they shut down and I think it was necessary, but I also don't see how it's going to help. Like, yeah, they can catch up on the backlog, but as soon as they open, you know, they're just going to get so many cards Mm -hmm. and they're just going to have to keep going. The the, the wave is just going to be huge. Um, So I don't know if they just are going to plan on, you know, keep on doing these little shutdowns every <laughs> now and then. Uh, I don't know what they plan, but I can definitely see that prices, I don't think they will go back down. Um, if they do open back up the value service, I believe it'll probably stay at $20 versus the 10. Um, I don't know how frequently or how good of a special they, they'll give because uh, you know they have quarterly specials um, and usually they're either $10 or even less um, they've had Pokemon cards for $7.50 mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh, uh, one of their specials last year um, I don't really see that happening but it was kind of interesting when you were talking you mentioned that you know they see that the value they see the value that they bring to a card that they grade. They provide this service that 
you know, multiplies your value 10 X or whatever. Um, I didn't think of it like that. I, I just thought of it as we're so swamped. We need to come up with something to kind of help us, uh, you know, slow down the number of cards coming in so that we can keep up or even catch up. Um, but it is interesting thinking how what you said because they have to be thinking about that why provide a service that does so much for the customer um for so little right Mm -hmm. so definitely interesting and i think i i agree with you um it does just kind of suck (laughs) admitting that hey if you want to get your cards graded then you do need to pay more because the service is unreal right now because what happens if you know this big boom kind of goes away will psa be like oh our service isn't as good anymore so we're going to bring the prices down for all of you or will you know like how do, how do you combat that mm-hmm. um i really have no idea but uh yeah it's, it's definitely interesting what psa is going through um from what i've heard it doesn't sound like they want to keep on hiring more people keep on purchasing new facilities and stuff um so because of that it does make me think they do only want to uh what's it called grade like the higher end stuff mm-hmm. um like why else wouldn't you you know expand <laughs> right but who knows it's wild times it, it is indeed and and what i'm wondering here is if they do in fact bring back like the economy and they they bring it back down to $20 per card. I wonder if they uh-huh. if they do go that route, if they will then place a threshold on the amount of cards that you can actually submit. Now, that's probably not going to deter somebody because they can say, okay, let's say the threshold is 50 cards. Well, they submit 50 uh-huh. cards, and then they'll go back in, create another submission, submit another 50 cards. So I don't know right. that that would necessarily help. But looking at it from a financial perspective from – from their business end, if they charge, let's just use easy numbers here. If they charge $10 a card and they, they cap it at $50 a submission, um, mm-hmm. or excuse me, $10 a card and they cap it at 50 cards per submission, that's $500. They could very well charge $50 per card and get 10 cards in a submission. They're making the same amount of money and they don't right. have the same amount of volume going through their facilities. So, mm-hmm. and I think especially from the standpoint that they are now a privately held company and they do have more financial leverage, I think this firm is looking at it going, wow, we, we really have been undercharging for the value that we are adding to these products. Because like I said, yeah. it, can, it can 10X, 20X or more the the premium once these cards especially when you start getting into the older minter rarer older you know the the old scott pratt <laughs> the the, <laughs> the commandments of scott pratt when you start getting into those type of cards then uh, it, it can be it can be even greater so yeah it, it, it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see what they do but i was I, I wanted to get your perspective on it because, like I said, I've talked to James. I've talked to Great Gem. They have no idea either. So it seems the consensus among <laughs> all of us is we're, we're all very much in the dark, which to me is 
it it sucks from a, a consumer perspective, especially those of us that have been grading with PSA for so many years. The fact that there mm-hmm. isn't the transparency there of of understanding where what they're thinking is where are they headed because really they like for instance for myself i've got two very large submissions that are still there one that was sent out last september one that was (laughs) sent in january and there's a lot of value in those two submissions Mm -hmm. so i think from the business perspective they really owe it to us as customers to be more transparent be more open about what their plans are moving forward no, yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, if you think about it, anyone can, you know, register with them, create a membership, um, and anyone can submit at any time. So how, <laughs> how, how do you stay really transparent with that many people? I don't know. I guess it's just a simple, you know, email campaign. Send an email and, you know, share what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, or even on their, you know, even on their website where they could say. Hey, we want to let everyone know that uh, come July first, we are going to uh, we're going to slowly phase in our various tiers. And even if the prices are higher, just the fact that we have that foreknowledge going into it and we have mm-hmm. that understanding, I think a lot of people would really appreciate that, including the the middlemen like yourself, the certified dealers like like Graded Gem, some of the Ludkin, some of the larger ones. Because it seems like from the top down, there there really isn't a whole lot of of uh, information being passed on down the line. No, it's so true. I mean, it, <laughs> just thinking back to the time where they just decided to close their submissions, no one got any sort of forewarning at all. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> I was it was like right before a submission uh, send off date for me. Um, and so I had already submitted or, you know, registered over 200 cards for bulk service. And then the next day I go to, to, you know, check out or finish the process. And my only option is Super Express. I'm like, what? <laughs> like wow. no one knew. Mm-hmm. And I'm a small middleman. And so I had 200 cards ready to go, but then just couldn't be sent anymore graded gem ludkins they probably had thousands and that's just thousands of people that they either need to send back their card um or they now need to store them safely and be a little storage unit and that's always kind of stressful and it was the worst like how hard would it have been to just email your members just hey we plan on um shutting down uh starting this date like that's not hard at all yeah. And so just the lack of transparency, like you've been saying, it's so bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, uh, that's enough hashing away at, uh, at PSA. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think they've got yeah. the, the brunt of, of everyone's animosity at this point. Um, let's go ahead and move oh, yeah. on to uh, Beckett. So Beckett, probably the next big grading company, probably the second most well-known. Uh, what mm-hmm. have you seen with, with Beckett in terms of... Uh, submissions in terms of what their plans might be for moving into the future. Have you heard anything that you'd like to share with us? Oh man, I wish I was cool enough to hear special things, (laughs) but uh, the first thing I'm a positive guy, but 
I just need to vent about Beckett real quick. Their website is the worst. It is absolutely terrible. I hate submitting with Beckett. <laughs> like it's so bad. And so if I were Beckett, I would make it. Well, I guess this can be like counterproductive because I'm sure at this point Beckett doesn't want cards just like PSA, right? Um, and so if they make a submission form or they ch- update their site to where it's easier and more user-friendly, that's just more people who can go and submit cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they don't want to do that. But as a user, I want to see that. Um, but it is interesting with Beckett. They used to be so much faster than PSA. That was kind of their biggest um, strong point. Other than, you know, a lot of people prefer the Beckett slab. It is a lot more high-end feeling, kind of luxury. Um and so that plus the turnaround times were a pretty solid reason for their prices. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause $35 for their cheapest tier economy with subgrades, that is a lot of money to grade a single card. Yeah. Um, and that adds up super fast. And on the, <laughs> on the insurance side or the shipping side, they charge so much for shipping. Like you, you'd be lucky to submit, uh, a submission with Beckett and get a shipping, a return shipping less than like fifty dollars. Wow. <laughs> like it doesn't even matter. They just charge a lot for shipping. Um, but yeah, it, every single time I log in, the little pop-up modal pop, um, you know, comes on the screen and says, "Show current." Um, oh, freak! Turnaround times. And I swear every single time the bulk or the economy and the standard gets pushed back a month. Like literally every single time I've clicked on it, it just keeps on getting pushed back and back and back. And so the dilemma for a a customer like us is, well, (laughs) do I still want to pay 35 bucks, 50 for standard for a nine month turnaround time? Like Mm -hmm. it kind of doesn't make sense. So if I'm Beckett and even CGC, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, it's hard to live behind the pricing when you can't really give the service that you initially offered, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, I, re- I wish I knew what Beckett was thinking. I'm sure they're just frantic and thinking of doing a shutdown <laughs> like mm-hmm. PSA, but I honestly don't know just because... I have no insides with them. I just, I'm just a lowly middleman who submits cards. <laughs> <laughs> but so you know, from a from a ratio standpoint, have you been seeing more people submitting? I I, I assume the answer to this question, but have you seen more people still submitting with PSA versus Beckett? Yeah, so Beckett, even when I opened it up, I because I got a ton of feedback saying, we want Beckett. When will you send to Beckett? Because at first it was just PSA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of the feedback, I was like, hey, let's open Beckett. Um, and I was expecting a lot of cards. But since opening, even with these last um, couple submissions with no PSA, uh, I might have maybe submitted 100 cards with them total. Like it's not that many cards going to Beckett. And I think that's simply just because their prices are higher. Yeah. Um, uh, which makes sense. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pretty pricey to grade with them. Um, but yeah, ratio standpoint, PSA has always been the top dog. CGC though, 
they are definitely catching up. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, we're gonna get to CGC. I I am turning. I'll just give you a little uh, a little tidbit here. I I'm turning into a huge CGC fan. Huge CGC fan. Um, it's because you're friend but, with Jules. <laughs> I know Jules. Jules warps my perspectives too much because he's he's all about CGC. I think he I think he's in cahoots with CGC myself. He's got some kind of secret. Seriously, uh, he's got some kind of secret deal going with those guys. So Beckett, <laughs> yeah. So the the turnaround times very much the same as PSA at this point. Looking at eight nine months plus, um, and the prices are still at the the same level at, as they were before. Um, just interested, interested to hear what, uh, what you think that Beckett is going to do moving forward. Do you think that they are going to move into something similar like we've been talking about with PSA where they move more into a, um, top tier type of grading company where people are sending their cards to them because they want that, uh, Beckett pristine 10 or perhaps the, the almighty Beckett black label. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how they've always been in my eyes. They've mm. been more of the high-end company from the get-go, um, just with their higher pricing and everything like that. Um, and they have, they've already tried doing what PSA did. They raised their prices. They doubled their Express and, um, oh, what is their top tier? Premium? Premium mm -hmm. services. They, they've doubled all their services. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like that's helping. Um, people just have too much money, I guess, out there and they don't care. They're just submitting cards <laughs> nonstop. Uh, I mean, it makes sense though, because on the flip side, you can easily go on eBay and sell one of those cards for a ton of money mm -hmm. and so easily right now. So it makes sense. But um, yeah, I, th I think Beckett has always been kind of the top dog when it comes to the high end stuff. The perfect cards, I guess you can say, just you know, the hunt for that black label. Um, but I don't, unless they raise the prices even more, mm -hmm. <laughs> which they, I don't see how they can keep up, um, unless they do the standard either shutdowns like PSA or they just grow themselves. Like, I've, I don't see a way to really keep up with the demand that we're all going through right now. Yeah. Every company's going through. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I'm in total agreement with you. I think that there would have to be some kind of drastic change across the board uh, for both mm -hmm. PSA and Beckett, well, really any grading company out there. Um, and, and we'll get to CGC. I think CGC is doing a much better job, in my opinion, and I think it's based upon the actual structure and their grading process. But yeah, I think that for Beckett and PSA, I it, they haven't given any indication that they are wanting to change whatsoever. They are, they, it seems like they are fine and good with, <laughs> with sticking to the same process that they've used for the last 30 years. Um, mm -hmm. so it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt. So let's go ahead and move on to the new kid on the block. Let's move on to yeah. the one, the one that excites. I think, I think it excites you more than anything as well. Like <laughs> I remember when Jules and I had you on, uh, on our podcast before, and we were really, we were just getting into CGC and I, I don't think you had been doing CGC middleman services for that long at that point. Had you? Yeah, not too long. Uh, I had just started maybe a month or two. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
new to CGC myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what? Let's go ahead and and dive into them. So CGC, new kid on the block, haven't been around very long. Really specializing in Pokemon Magic. Have they? Do you know? Have they moved into other TCGs at this point? I haven't really kept up with that end of it. So I've heard they have opened up a sports seg- section, mm-hmm. um, but I still don't see a sports option when I'm submitting cards. So I, I really don't know if that's live or how to submit sports with them, but they're definitely working on sports. I do know that, which is a huge task. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, what have you seen? Let's get into some of the specifics here. What have you seen in regards to turnaround times uh, with CGC as things currently stand? So, uh, man, it's sad because I even, it was either a story or a tweet. Uh, I was just laughing because they had recently upped all of their uh, turnaround times. And so I just posted a little screenshot and was like, remember when CGC was laughing at PSA for their return times, <laughs> whereas <laughs> now they're basically the same. <laughs> so it's funny how, you know, karma always comes back, but yeah, the, overall, if you're, so CGC is interesting because their top tier, their walkthrough, I think is now $75 per card, which is super cheap. And you'll get that card back in like a week, maybe two weeks. Wow. So, the price to grade and the turnaround time are pretty good with CGC, but just like any other company, if you get down to the lower service levels, you're going to be waiting six plus months for your cards to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only see that going up, you know, as time goes on. So they're saying they're dealing with the same exact problems everyone else is. Um, but we've talked about this before, and I've heard you talk about it with other people you've brought on um, here, but they have a lot faster process from what we believe. <laughs> we we know they're using some sort of uh, computerized process in some aspects of their um, grading flow, uh, whereas you know Beckett and PSA are still pretty much strictly 100% human mm-hmm. uh, grading. So that's main that's kind of the reason why one cgc has such a tougher grading scale (laughs) like it's so hard to get a 10 with cgc um and you know i don't see them out there i have have you i mean how many cgc 10s have you really seen out there i haven't seen a single one i've so i've probably submitted 500 plus cards with cgc and i remember getting two 10s back Just two, <laughs> whereas you know with PSA that's it's a lot higher, um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. So the computer is a lot more strict, um, and a lot faster, obviously. And so, uh, yeah, everyone's going to CGC now. I love CGC. Uh, they're definitely growing on me. I still have my complaints about them, but for the most part, CGC is doing pretty well, and I think they're just going to get better and more popular. Let's dive, in, um, let's dive into that, Be, you know, with you submitting a, a pretty vast array of cards through CGC, what are some of the mm-hmm. cons uh, that uh, that you've seen with them? <laughs> so my biggest thing, just because I'm like super OCD, is uh, I like that their grade is like super big. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I wish I had a CGC slide right next to me, but it's always off center. It is not centered in the box that is provided for the big grade. And that just drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like so crazy. Um, I have gotten over the, the color of the label. I actually really like their blue label. Um, and you know, kind of the gloss shiny finish they put on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the label doesn't bother me as much, but that was my biggest thing. The centering for the grade, and I, I, well, I still think they can make their label look so much better. But, um, yeah, that, that was really my biggest complaints with CGC. Uh, regarding the actual slab itself, I love the look of it. I love that it's all clear. It just makes the card stand out like mm-hmm. crazy. It just pops. Um, and they feel sturdy. They're nice and thick, and they, they just feel good. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's really just the label. <laughs> I think they yeah. could make it look so much better. So kind of more the aesthetics that you think they could improve upon. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But that that's with any company. If you think about it, PSA's label is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just what we're all used to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's always hard sometimes to break out of that mold of of what you're used to and what so many collectors have been used to because like you said, I I CGC has grown on me so much over these last, and it's not just because I'm maybe a little bit bitter with PSA. Um, I've <laughs> never really done a whole lot of grading with uh, with Beckett, admittedly. Um, I've had a few mm-hmm. cards graded with them, but again, it was mainly because it had come back in a PSA 10, that particular card come back in PSA 10, and I thought it could it could potentially get you know a Beckett pristine 10 or perhaps even that black label. So not a whole lot of experience with, with Beckett. I do really like Beckett's labels. Um, but yeah, CGC, I totally agree with you. The cases, uh, the sturdiness of the cases, how they feel in your hand uh, feel fantastic. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact of them um, grading comic books because they're probably used mm-hmm. to having a little bit sturdier cases for the comic book realm and they probably just downsize their molds to the uh, <laughs> to the cards. No, exactly. And I, I have a couple, you know, I'm no I'm no jewels, but I have a couple graded comics by CGC and <laughs> they're pretty they're thick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they are sturdy. Mm-hmm. They feel pretty sweet. So those are those are kind of some of the things that we've discussed before that we think we that CGC can improve upon, but from my perspective, CGC is really in a very good position right now. It's interesting mm-hmm. to me that their turnaround times are somewhat on par with Beckett and PSA because we do know they have that algorithmic or computer-based grading along with human grading. And mm-hmm. I mean, six months, you know, that's a little bit better than the nine months or more that we're looking at with Beckett or PSA. So it is slightly better, but you would think that there would be even more expediency there with the, with the computer-based grading system. But um, yeah. I, I'm interested to hear your perspective as well on the things that you're most excited for uh, with CGC and also some of the areas you think they can break into where they can really set themselves up as maybe the premier grading service and trump this uh, this long-held title that, that PSA has had. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll take a long time, but as soon as people realize or really get behind the fact that a CGC 10 is like a true 10. 
mm-hmm. then I think values will skyrocket. Um, because that uh, naturally that would just mean a 9.5 and a nine is also <laughs> a gem mint card. Like they're mm-hmm. super valuable. Whereas unless it is a 10, we see some 9.5 selling for similar prices, but for the most part, if it's not a 10, um, it's a pretty, um, drastically lower value than a PSA or Beckett equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, but go, you mentioned that it seems like PSA and Beckett just aren't really up for change, right? Like they're completely set in their ways, laying back in the lazy boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas CGC, they've already taken a step towards what I think needs to happen in the grading world is being automated, being computerized. Um, we don't know how much of their process is computerized, but we do know that it is a part of their grading process. And that is what makes it, uh, I won't say a lot faster anymore, but faster than Mm. PSA and Beckett. And so because they already have that, I think they already have in mind and in sight that this is the road we need to go down. And we already know a piece of it. Let's really put our money and focus on finishing that process so then we could potentially get to completely automated grading where you know potentially no human is needed i personally would like to see you know you can call it a master grader (laughs) be like the final one after the computers to like a grading sommelier (laughs) yes (laughs) oh yes if i have that title Oh, if I held that title, it would be so cool. <laughs> oh, for sure. But uh, um, but yeah, I think that's totally what CGC has already started. It seems like they're already going down that road. And so um, that's what people want. They, It's pretty obvious to me now that people don't care how much it costs to grade a card. <laughs> they're willing to fork up whatever is necessary, but they just want their cards back in a mm-hmm. somewhat relatively quick time. And so CGC currently kind of gives you that option. It is cheaper than everyone else and it's faster than everyone else. So what, what is there to really complain about? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, <laughs> there is a lot to complain about, uh, especially for those who, you know, are, are PSA or die or Beckett or die people only care about the value of the cards. Then yeah, <laughs> we can argue about that, you know, all day long. There's so many different sides to it all. But uh, I think CGC is killing it. Um, and I think they're going to figure it out way faster than PSA and Beckett. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that people have to learn how to adapt. They have to learn how to change. And, you know, recently, in fact, the last podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking with uh, Gary King Pokemon. And you yeah. want to talk about somebody that should be a diehard PSA fan, it would be Gary, because he, not only was he <laughs> one of the the big factors in bringing Pokemon from Japan over to the United States, but he was also one of the pivotal factors in, in having PSA as like the gold standard for Pokemon cards. He is one of yeah. the, the, the people that initially reached out to PSA and said, hey, we want you guys to uh, be able to authenticate these cards and really incorporate them into your repertoire. And it was huge. And that's really where oh, yeah. this whole gold standard of PSA within Pokemon really started. And what I found interesting in speaking with him is that 
even though he's always spoke pretty highly of PSA, he has a lot of disgruntlements mm-hmm. with what he's seeing in their structure at this point. And he mm-hmm. agreed that what CGC is doing right now is what he would like to see. It's what he would like to see PSA doing. And he's very happy with uh, with the, the changes and the modifications that CGC is making. And mm-hmm. uh, beyond that, we, we actually got into this conversation of automation and becoming more automated. And uh, people that are listening today, and maybe you've heard me say this before, I think what the vast majority of collectors want to see when they're getting their cards graded one they want to be able to do it at a reasonable price uh, especially if you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to get your entire collection graded but beyond that oh yeah <laughs> they want to see consistency they want to know that a psa 10 or a beckett 10 or a cgc 10 that is the the hard and fast grade and i've said this before i've used the analogy that if you ran that card through if you had a computer-based grading system and you ran that card through ten thousand times it would come back in the exact same grade no matter how many times you sent it through and uh, Mm -hmm. what's interesting and i don't know if a lot of people caught this from that last podcast but he had actually been um a company had actually reached out to him to uh, sponsor or endorse a, a an idea just like that of basically having fully automated grading. I mean, it, it makes I sense, right? That. Like you're you're a computer engineer. You've seen the advancements. <laughs> you understand that technology just has exponential growth. And the the further on in the future we go, not only the does the technology just get exponentially better, but it also gets cheaper as you go along as well so it just seems Uh like this is the only viable option that is really going to be sustainable for a grading service out there and i think cgc is already halfway there like they're already halfway Uh there It, it it just seems to me that they they would be remiss if they didn't push more towards this avenue of becoming fully automated and in doing that, it would lower their prices substantially because you don't have the same amount of overhead that you have to maintain as a company like PSA or Beckett. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. <laughs> I remember watching your podcast with Gary and him talking about that. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> mm-hmm. who could this be? What is going to happen? Because, um, you know, me being the pers- uh, software developer, I have actually had multiple conversations with other developer friends just on the technologies that are currently around and like, would this be possible? Like how hard would it be? Um, and to quickly summarize those phone calls, it would be hard. Really? <laughs> like there's so many different factors. Um, just a quick example. How do you give your computer the perfect card to grade off of? Right. Um, how does the computer know is this version? Like think of all of the different versions of base. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you can tell if it's a first edition shallowest or unlimited, but then with the unlimited, there's a 2000 um, print run or there's 1999s and they're kind of different. So does that mean I need to have a gem mint copy that the computer knows of the 1999 run and a gem mint copy of the 2000 and that for every single card ever made or 
how can you really distinguish what that gem mint 10 or any grade is if I'm just a computer? Because mm-hmm. the computer or the code or whatever you want to call it needs something to compare it to. Right. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that task in and of itself would be extremely hard. Um, no, and, and you're absolutely right. And I actually remember my conversation with Connor and Tom and Tom has uh, a pretty extensive background in uh, programming and coding as well. And mm-hmm. he, he said the same thing. If you're using some kind of computer-based or AI-based system, it needs something to work off of. It needs something to build off of that it can then make make its um, or come to its conclusion about. But if it, yeah. you're right, you would have to have something there. And maybe it's... Man, I you know just kind of brainstorming off the top of my head, and I I'm a finance guy. <laughs> I I I, <laughs> I take the numbers and interpret it. I don't actually plug them in. That's that's my kind of. <laughs> but um, you know, just off the top of my head, I I would think that a lot of it would probably come down to um, you know the algorithm itself in determining like okay, centering shouldn't be too difficult. Like I feel like that would be the easiest no, one. Yeah. You're putting in certain specifications. It's really all based around. Uh, measurements, uh, edges, that shouldn't be too difficult either. You're going around the border. You can pick up the whitening there. Um, surface, I think, is where that's where it would be really difficult is, I mean, you could mm-hmm. scan through it and you could, you know, maybe pick up print lines, something of that nature. But again, you're having, you, you, how do you compare a uh, base set hollow to a vivid voltage full art? You know, where yeah. the, the hollow is all across the entire card. So, yeah, that, that would be difficult. But what I would say is if um, if Elon Musk can put us onto Mars, <laughs> then maybe maybe that's the guy we need to go to. Elon, we just need your, your Tesla-based grading system, and, and we'll be good to go. You know, I was actually thinking, like, the exact same thing. Not so much Mars, but just Tesla with their automated driving. If you can figure out how to automatically drive a car and deal with all of the things that happen when you're driving, there has to be some sort of AI database structure that can, you know, grade some cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But can't can't be can't be that difficult in the end. I, I I think, and like I said, I think whether it's it's CGC and they move forward with it, or whether it's a brand new company, a, a startup that comes along that that does it. I, to me, I think that it's just inevitable. I think we will yeah. we will reach that point uh, at at some moment, and the the company that does that, I think, is going to put themselves far ahead of the rest. Oh yeah, they need to figure it out and then patent patent it super quick. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So the last thing that I want to get into here, um, well, a couple of things before we start jumping into uh, some questions from the community. We've heard this this term kind of thrown around out there, and I, I think actually Pokemon Radar was the one that actually coined it, but we've heard the term junk slab thrown around there. Oh, yeah. Um, and everything that we've been talking about today, I think that could be perhaps the, the demise of what we've called the junk slabs, where people aren't submitting everything, where the, the costs associated with grading would outweigh any premium that would be garnered on actually having those, you know, those bottom tier cards graded, those full up, modern full mm-hmm. arms, things like that. Um, do you think that we will transition out of this? And if we do, 
what is going to happen to all of that inundation of cards that come back over the course of this next year? Do you think that the prices are just going to tank on them? Do you think that you, you're essentially at that point just have an encapsulated card? Uh, I'm interested to get your take. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have to share that I just hate the term junk slab just because I'm so for the thought of grade what you want to have graded, you know? But I completely understand where junk slab comes from and I can I can see it all and the reasoning and all that stuff. But me personally, I just hate that term because I'm a I I'm I like to say that I'm a collector <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I'm not just grading cards to sell them off and make money like so anyway, that was that was uh, beside the point. Um well it's interesting. I'm already seeing that right like we are like we already talked about everyone was sending me whatever card they wanted uh it didn't even matter just because the prices were good and they wanted to get them graded for whatever their behind the scenes purposes were whereas now um other than you know maybe some cgc bulk cards people are only sending me the bigger chase cards of the sets or um more valuable and expensive or mint cards Whereas people were sending me, it didn't, you know, PSAs one through six, it did not matter. Um, so I'm, we're already kind of seeing that, which makes us think uh, the junk slab, <laughs> junk slab era will end eventually. But then you think of there are millions of cards right now at PSA and all these other companies that still need to be graded and get back to their owners. And so this junk slab era is really only beginning because all of the cards that are currently at these companies are what people would classify as those junk slabs. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think eventually, especially if all these companies just keep on raising their prices, it'll only mean that we're getting the high end stuff sent to them in the first place. And so no junk slabs around. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and here's here's just a thought experiment here for one second. So all of these cars, these these lower tier cards that we're we're calling junk slabs in the sense that they don't they they're not going to have a, a value a, a strong value attached to them once the the inundation of products come back onto the market. Well, if we do transition into a period of time where where um, it's much more difficult to get products graded just from the, the standpoint of, of price and pricing people out, mm -hmm. will we at some point have more value placed on those cards because they may be the only cards that are actually getting graded from that particular tier? So maybe 10 years in the future, people are like, well, it, uh, well, I mean, maybe 10 years in the future, the cards that seem, you know, junk <laughs> now are actually much more valuable just from the standpoint of mm -hmm. their, their time in the market um, or just, you know, the amount of time that has elapsed. But I, to me, you know, just kind of thinking about it, we may move into that period where those type of cards aren't getting graded anymore. So at some point people will actually look back and say, hey, I actually would like to have one of those cards that are graded because everything else out on the open market is just in a raw card, ungraded form. Mm -hmm. So perhaps at some point, those junk slabs may actually garner a premium. Well, yeah. I mean, 
I think that's already happened. Think of all of the sets after like EX, um, black and white, uh, you know, like level X cards. They're mm-hmm. all super low pop just because the majority of us who are collecting now, we weren't in into Pokemon back then. And <laughs> uh, so we, we kind of already see that right now. There's There's that era of like 2005 or so up to, I don't even know, 2012, mm-hmm. <laughs> where the populations, like those cards just aren't available graded. Um, even raw, they're super hard to find. They're super rare cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of answers your little thought <laughs> uh, that you just brought up that, yeah, especially if... It, you know, full set set collectors, you're gonna need a card that might not be popular or whatever to get graded, graded because you want to collect the whole set in, you know, PSA or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I think <laughs> it's just gonna be a constant cycle of this up and down, and mm-hmm. people are gonna grade a ton, people aren't gonna grade a ton. Um, but yeah, it's uh. <laughs> interesting to think about yeah yeah well and that's really you know markets in general uh, you know i've been involved in a lot of various markets from financial markets to real estate to even i, I work in power trading now so i work in the energies markets so buying and selling of of electricity and power so this is something that you see throughout all markets is this ebb and flow, the increase, the decrease, the demand, the supply, like all of these things are so interwoven in all these various mm-hmm. markets and collectibles and more specifically Pokemon certainly isn't, uh, isn't excluded from that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting too, because you know, a lot of people don't see the Pokemon hype going down, but eventually it has to go down. I mean, that, that's just kind of how it works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue knows that when. we've already seen it. I, I, I think that we've already yeah. seen a dip in uh, in Pokemon, and I think that I think that you're starting to see it across uh, mediums like YouTube. I don't think that the, the mm-hmm. same amount of people are as interested or as enticed uh, by Pokemon. I think a lot of the more fickle people who came into the hobby during the hype, during the Logan Paul days, they a lot of those have exited at this point. So we're starting to get back to where we were around like 2019. Now that's not to say that mm-hmm. this won't, uh, you know, we won't see a rebound. And I actually, I've got a video coming out um, this weekend talking about like my predictions for the third and fourth quarter of this year. But again, we're starting to go back to a little bit of normalcy in life. We're, mm-hmm. we're starting to get out of the pandemic. People are starting to do the things that, they, that they've that they done in the past. So I would say that it has subsided to a certain degree, but you're, you're right. It, it can't, <laughs> Pokemon isn't like the technology that we were talking about before. You don't just have exponential growth forever. Eventually, it, mm-hmm. it does come back down. It stagnates. It drops. It comes back up. It's this constant ebb and flow cycle. Oh yeah. Well, even uh, I don't know if you're on TikTok really, <laughs> but I've, I hear that's I've where just... all the kids are now. I'll, I'll hear all the kids well, are on TikTok now. It's where all the cool kids are. Man. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm definitely not cool, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, we. Uh, 
I've formed this little friend group from TikTok and we're always talking back and forth and we've just noticed that TikTok is not sharing Pokemon related content like it used to. Like mm-hmm. we all kind of blew up some more than others. Um, but Pokemon, it was super easy to get tons of views on TikTok. Whereas now, even us more developed accounts, <laughs> we're getting you know a few hundred, maybe a couple thousand views versus the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Some people have even got millions of views mm-hmm. opening a Pokemon pack. So, yeah, it's uh, that just you know to share, go along with your. We are kind of seeing that decrease already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People well, just I, aren't enticed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I've seen it on YouTube as well. I I think when you look across. Uh, various channels. Uh, I know, you know, for mine, analytically speaking, you can really, when you dive into the analytics on it, you can, you can pinpoint those dates where it started to drop off or viewership, uh, you know, watch time, recommendations, mm-hmm. all of those things started to dip off. And you can see that when mm-hmm. you use uh, programs like Social Blade and you look at other accounts ac- across many uh pokemon content creators you can see that consistent trend where it was it was really about after pokemon day where after that happened it mm-hmm. just seemed, it just kind of took it took a hit and it's just taken a slow <laughs> and steady decline so yeah that's super interesting so let's uh before we wrap up here one last question that i have to ask you is we've talked a lot about pokemon and before we get into everyone's uh pokemon questions that they have for you uh what other tcgs have you seen on the rise i know you're a big dragon ball z fan (laughs) like myself and i actually just found out not too long ago from uh jake from pokenomics that i believe Uh beckett and is it and PSA are both grading the old score entertainment Dragon Ball Z cards. I have seen plenty. I mean, Beckett basically grades everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's confusing on how to submit those cards because their site sucks, but they, there are plenty of graded scorecards, both on the PSA and Beckett side. I've heard that just from Pokemon radar, that there are some scorecards that they won't grade. I mean, I'm, I don't really know why other than maybe they don't have anything to go off of, <laughs> mm-hmm. but why grade some scorecards and not grade some other ones? You mm-hmm. know, that doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but yeah, score, I personally don't know much about score. I've maybe opened five packs when I was a kid. Um, uh, so then basically other than that, like big uh, Super Saiyan 3 Goku Grail card, I don't know anything about score, but... I see tons of hype for the old vintage DBZ cards, um, mainly just in like these Facebook Dragon Ball uh, groups that I'm in. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> other than that, not many people are, you know, collecting or trying to go for the vintage stuff. Um, but yeah, score is it's coming around. But like everything, everything's coming around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so funny you mentioned that because. Last year, I believe it was it was in about May. I remember seeing some of those Harry Potter uh, booster boxes on eBay. <laughs> they were going for like forty or fifty dollars. Now those same booster right. boxes like oh, well over a thousand dollars. Just insane. Oh yeah, insane. It's nuts. Even like Naruto cards. Naruto was so cheap, and now the boxes are just <laughs> they keep yeah. on rising and rising. Mm-hmm. 
It's well, wild, man. I, I, I wanted to bring up Dragon Ball Z because I had been saying for a long time, people would ask me the question of, you know, what what other TCGs do you see that have potential? You know, beyond the obvious of like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic, what other TCGs do you think uh, have potential and are kind of dark horses? And I always said that if, because at the time, as far as I'm aware, because it was a dead hobby, because score was, is essentially no longer around, they couldn't authenticate the cards because there wasn't a company to like back that, something to that extent. But I always said that mm-hmm. if, if you could get graded Dragon Ball Z cards from score, that that would probably be the next big TCG. That would be the next big vintage boom. And I have to say, from my childhood, people may not re- realize this. I go by Pokenav, but from my mm-hmm. childhood, I have way more Dragon Ball Z cards from Score <laughs> than I do Pokemon. Like just binders and binders and binders full of those cards. No, no, like sealed products so or anything. But yeah, yeah. No, that's so awesome. I wish I did, but you know, growing up, I I never had money, or my parents didn't have money to like fund all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But I love Dragon Ball Z more than Pokemon. That might hurt some feelings, but that's just how it is. <laughs> I watched it so much more, and it's just, I don't know, it's just so much cooler. But uh, TCGs, I see a comment here, <laughs> uh, just MetaZoo, you know, oh, that yeah. it's the hot topic of, uh, uh, you know, right now. And I, I I don't know too much about MetaZoo. I haven't really spent the time to watch all the different videos on what MetaZoo is, but it seems like people like it. Uh, me personally, I only really dive into things that actually mean stuff to me. <laughs> I agree. Like, I agree. I obviously don't open Yu-Gi-Oh on my channel or anything like that, but I loved Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid. And so if I have a chance to get a Dark Magician or a Blue-Eyes White Dragon card or something like that, I'm going to do it just because I love it. Um, And obviously, Dragon Ball Z is still a huge part of my life. It's one of my favorite animes ever. Mm -hmm. They have a current TCG, so why wouldn't I open it? Um, And it just so happens that that TCG is also blowing up like big time. (laughs) Like it's it's been insane seeing the values of some of these cards. Another person just commented Digimon, huge Digimon fan when I was a kid, like literally wake up in the morning, Pokemon would be on. And then right after it was the new Digimon episode and it was just the best morning ever. <laughs> so and the Digimon cards are actually pretty awesome. I don't know if you care about Digimon or have seen them, but they are nice. <laughs> no, you know, I never, I never dove into Digimon. I always saw it as the, like the, the cheap knockoff of Pokemon. And so it like, <laughs> yeah. I always had like this bitterness towards Digimon. I always thought they were kind of ripping off Pokemon, but you want to talk about a ripoff. I would say MetaZoo is probably the biggest ripoff <laughs> of all. They've basically just taken everything that we have seen that has made a TCG popular and just tried to mash mm-hmm. that into one, you know, with the first edition boxes and all of these things. <laughs> yeah. And, and people have asked me the same thing. What do you think about MetaZoo? And I, I just say, look, that fact taken together where they've just basically trying to take everything, they've, they've taken all the things that have made great TCGs, they've brought it together, but they've done it in a like the most popular time probably ever for trading card games. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, does that mean that maybe it's maybe it's a a good thing, and maybe this could create a sustainable TCG, and maybe one that is a complete sleeper? It's possible. It's possible. But I think, at least from my perspective, I think that it's just it it doesn't have because if you think about all of these other TCGs that we're talking about, like these are these are big like multinational brands that encompass various aspects to their company. So like for instance Pokemon, you've got games, you've got the anime, you've got the trading card game, like all these things. Dragon Ball Z, you've got the anime, you've got the TCG, you've got, you know, you've got the games whereas mm-hmm. this, you know, and even with Magic, Magic has just had I think magic more or less it's just because it's it's been around for so long it's been around for so yeah. long it's garnered such a large following by proxy for being around for so long and the big tournaments and, and the gameplay whereas this this is all it has it's got this this card <laughs> game and it doesn't have that long history it doesn't have all of these different facets to its overall brand and that and that's why I'm uneasy about MetaZoo yeah, I mean, I just have no desire to look into it because I have no reason to look into it. <laughs> yeah. It does not intrigue me at all. Um, even stuff like Flesh and Blood. Uh, I watched uh, a good friend of mine on Instagram open some packs live, and he pulled one of the best cards in the set, and it was just like a rock. Yeah. And I was like, and it had a little hollow foil. I'm like, how is that cool? <laughs> like, <laughs> it just brought no excitement to me. And granted, you know, everyone is different. If you love MetaZoo, then go for it. If you mm-hmm. love Flesh and Blood, I'm all for it, but it's just not for me. So I'm not going to spend my time really, you know, diving deeper into it because to me, that's just a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I mean, obviously, you always have to start somewhere. <laughs> so maybe MetaZoo just decided to start with their TCG, um, which is probably a good move just with how popular cards are right now um but yeah i think no matter what we can even take this back to a grading company what if a grading company came out with all of the technology to 100 percent make their process automated you're gonna get thousands millions of haters on that company (laughs) just because that's that's kind of the world we live in right Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you have the best product in the world you're going to have so many haters and uh, it kind of sucks, but that's just, that's how it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think it is the nature of, of human beings is to not really be adaptable to change. And, you know, maybe, maybe we fall into that to some extent, but I think the point that you made that that's really important here is that unless you have some kind of, of, sentimental attachment or something more than just the the card itself like the like the history behind it like how what it means to you some kind of personal attachment Mm -hmm. to it again like like yourself i could see somebody like Yu-Gi-Oh, for instance i'm not into Yu-Gi-Oh whatsoever Mm -hmm. so somebody could pull a really cool Yu-Gi-Oh card that would be maybe on par with i don't know a Charizard from Pokemon, maybe maybe that's their yeah. Charizard. It means it means nothing to me. I mean, I'm happy, like I'm happy for the person if they do that. <laughs> like that's always really cool, just to see the enjoyment in someone's eyes, because uh, that's what really what collecting is all about. But for me personally, mm-hmm. like 
it doesn't matter. Like if somebody said, Hey, you could, you know, I'll give you this card or, or, you know, would you, would you trade me this card? Maybe it's more valuable than something that I have. I'd be like, no, because it doesn't mean, yeah. it doesn't mean nearly as much. Right. And I'm completely with you there. Um, <laughs> I used to play magic when I was a kid, we were probably playing it incorrectly, but it was super fun. And then it just kind of died and I haven't cared about magic since, but I heard Magic is going to do a collab with Lord of the Rings. And I love Lord of the Rings. Wow. And so I'm like, I will buy that set and open that up just to see what it's like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so things like that, you know, can excite me. But yeah, MetaZoo, just nothing for me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. All right. I think that is a good point to maybe jump over and uh, see what kind of questions uh, we've got from the community uh, let's see here. And if any, if anything jumps out to you, by all means, take it away. Let's. See. I just see I, a bunch of people speaking French right now. <laughs> I, I know. I wonder. I wonder what had Jules. Jules has got them all uh, all worked up. He's he's throwing the French down on us. Jules, here. man. He's probably <laughs> he's probably talking smack about the both of us, and we don't even realize it. Oh, he probably is. That's what my parents do with Japanese. <laughs> All right, Oscar Ramirez, do you believe that cards graded at CGC have higher grades when converting, comparing it to uh, PSA scale? I know Omash has done some videos on this, and I just want some insight over this topic. So you want to you go ahead and start us out with that one? Yeah, so higher grades when converting, comparing to PSAs. So I assume he's talking about like their grading scale is tougher than PSAs. Um, I think that's a hundred percent just facts at this moment. Mm -hmm. Like we've seen so many cards now come back from CGC and it is a rare sight to get a 10. You do not see those gold digits <laughs> very frequently when it comes to CGC. Whereas with PSA, uh, you know, 25, maybe depending on the sub 50% comeback is tens. Mm -hmm. um, so from my experience, CGC is much stricter and I honestly don't know if that's just a company decision overall, you know, they, instead of the 60, 40 centering being allowed for a 10, maybe, you know, it needs to be, uh, what is it? <laughs> my math is terrible right now. Maybe 70, like 30, 80, 20, 80, or... 20. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so maybe it's a business decision, but yeah, CGC is so much tougher. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. And it's interesting that we still, and, and I think, again, it's just because of PSA's history, but it's interesting to see that the the reflection in price hasn't become more congruent. So an equivalent, you know, CGC 8 to a PSA 8, there's still a, a pretty drastic price discrepancy there with PSA holding the higher value versus uh, versus CGC. But I think, again, mm -hmm. as long as CGC can maintain that consistency, um, I think over the course of time, that will catch up. That, that value will catch up where they will become more congruent. And again, like everything that we've talked about today, I think that by some point, CGC could very well pass them up and, and really hold that higher value. Maybe, maybe again, if, if PSA moves to that gold standard, maybe a PSA 10 or a Beckett 10 or Black Label 10, those will always hold like maybe even more value because that's all that mm -hmm. you're, they're really, they're really going for, uh, with those companies. But it, it is still the way that, that things currently stand. 
Yeah. Uh, I see a question here from Adam. What are your opinions on card protection and card saver ones? Are they decent to pre prevent scratches or just stay with top loaders? I just wanted to answer this one real quick because I hate top loaders with a passion. <laughs> I have I, I have to I have to take them out and put them in card savers so frequently with my middleman service just because the grading companies require a semi rigid like a card saver one. Um, and I've seen so many cards damaged with top loaders. They just don't protect them that well. They're not um, airtight, so the cards are moving in there all the time. If you don't seal the top, it's flying out of there with the easiest of a shake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and top loaders are just terrible. So I just wanted to answer that real quick for that person, for Adam. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you. I've personally, I've never used top loaders. I've always used the card saver ones. And then especially now they're, they're pretty expensive and I don't know if they have brought it international yet, but I know graded gem has recently come out. They call it graded fit, which is basically their version mm -hmm. of card saver ones and, um, and, and much lower price than card saver ones. But I'd have to connect with Connor and Tom, but I don't know that they've gone international with it yet. I think it's probably just over in the UK, but I'm sure eventually mm -hmm. they'll they'll want to get it out there. So, but yeah, I agree with you. Card saver ones all the way. All right, let's see. What else do we have here? TT uh, Moore says, how do you feel about jumbo cards now with the 25th anniversary set? Um <laughs> Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think jumbo cards could have some potential, and I think especially with a company like CGC that uh, are accustomed to grading uh, comic books, probably would have uh, a much easier time of grading those jumbo cards, getting those in an appropriate slab, having slabs available for jumbo cards. Um but I don't know. You know, we've had jumbo cards around for a long time. I think if you're just getting the jumbo cards from like the pin collections or some of the boxes that are released with sets, I don't know about how much, you know, collectability or value there is there. Um, I mean, everyone's going to have their own subjective opinion. But uh, for special <laughs> anniversary sets, like the, what we're seeing now with the jumbo cards, I, th I think that it could be could be fun, a nice collector's piece. And again, I think CGC would have uh, really a perfect slab for those type of cards. Yeah. I mean, I personally haven't seen any graded jumbo cards. I think it'd be super cool. Um, but I did buy those 25, that little binder that came out with the 25th anniversary. And, you know, each month they're releasing a new jumbo pack with the uh, three different starters of whatever that region is mm -hmm. and it's actually been pretty fun to go and buy those and put them into that binder and collect them <laughs> um and you know it's inexpensive as well i think mm -hmm. the packs retail at 10 bucks for the three jumbo cards um and the binder was like 20 bucks um yeah uh, me personally i did not care for jumbo cards whatsoever mm -hmm. um but if I'm being honest, it's been fun buying those <laughs> three jumbos every month and putting them in that binder. I think it'll be cool once it's all filled. How how does that binder hold up? I, w I was hearing things that it was that there were maybe it's not that binder specifically that there were but there were binders out there where it didn't even really fit the jumbo cards that they were like falling. Out yeah. Or... <laughs> so there are two different sizes of jumbo cards, so that's kind of the problem. Um, the sword and shield 
era of jumbo cards are smaller than what they used to be. And so mm -hmm. this binder will only fit the newer jumbo card size. So, you know, I still have 50 jumbo cards that are just sitting in my closet because I don't have a binder or anywhere to put those because they're mm -hmm. too big. Um, but yeah, the, the Pokemon binder, uh, it's, it's a pretty nice binder, <laughs> nice and sturdy and fits those new jumbo sizes. Nice. Yeah, that I, I bet that is cool flipping through uh flipping through a binder and seeing the the jumbo cards in there versus Yeah, all the little starters. It's it's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see. Let's uh let's get to one more question here and then uh we'll go ahead and, and wrap things up. Not seeing any that are jumping out to me. I see a Here's... couple, but if it's the last one, I'll let you pick. <laughs> um uh, Anthony has a, a an interesting question here. He says, "Is uh, is the shadowless card run uh, shadowless card run count really much lower than first edition base set?" Now, um, I guess I'll answer this one um, based upon what I have seen and also what I have heard from people like King Pokemon it would suggest that Shadowless, at least from a population standpoint, does seem to be more scarce than mm -hmm. first edition. Um, now we can see that on the population reports when we go to PSA or Beckett or any of these sites, the population reports for these are, for pretty much across the board, are lower than <laughs> than first edition base. So, I, I mean, I don't have any. I, I can't give you a one hundred percent certain answer on that. But um, if a guy like uh, Gary is leaning more towards that, then I'm probably in that same boat as well. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, think of back then when they were actually coming out and people were going to stores and buying them. They had the first edition run and it was awesome. Everyone trying to get them, people loving it. And then they released the Shadowish run, which didn't have that stamp. And so naturally people are like, well, freak, I don't want this Shadowless one. Mm -hmm. Or what they saw, I'm sure, is I don't want this non-first edition one. Mm -hmm. And so naturally there just wasn't as much hype for the Shadowless because <laughs> at the time I'm sure they didn't know there was going to be an unlimited run after after the shadowless mm -hmm. and so yeah and you know just because of the stamp there's more value with that stamp and so people are grading the stamp versus just the shadowless um much more frequently and you know all that stuff so i think it does make sense and it is true that shadowless has a much lower pop than first edition <laughs> mm -hmm. for sure for sure well, hey guys, thank you, uh, thank you for those questions. Those were all uh, really good. But uh, Omash, I think we will uh, go ahead and wrap it up there, my friend. Um, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. It's been uh, it's been a while since the the days of uh, talking to you on the uh, Pokemon purveyors and. You've, yeah, uh, what happened to that podcast? <laughs> you know, this, honestly, we just, both Jules and myself got like so busy and I had decided to go ahead and start this podcast as well. And Jules had some uh, projects for himself. And uh, in the end, it was just, we just couldn't really devote the uh, the time to 
to that podcast as well. But Jules, we've actually talked about it. We've talked about maybe bringing that back on just kind of a periodic basis. Maybe maybe just getting um, you know a couple episodes out a month. Maybe not like a an every week thing, but maybe like a, a biweekly mm-hmm. or or uh, us just getting together. You know, I've I've talked about Jules of you know coming on to my Q and A's more, and then Jules has some projects in the work uh, that he's putting together, which I'll probably be on those uh, a pretty good amount. So, uh, we'll, we, we've got some things, we've got some things in the pipeline. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it may just be under a different name. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Omash, before we finish up here, buddy, uh, for anybody, well, first of all, anybody out there, if you have not subscribed to Omash over on his YouTube channel, make sure that you do that. Go show him some love from the Nav Nation uh, to the Omosh Nation. And then make sure that you also follow him over on Instagram as well. Omosh, where can they find you on all of your various social media media channels? All of my social medias are Omosh, <laughs> making it nice and easy for all of you guys. And really, most of today's podcast was just talking about middleman services and grading. If anyone here wants to get their cards graded, hit me up on any of those socials. I always respond, and I'd love to help you guys out with your collections. Awesome. And guys, I can attest to the fact, Omash, I mean, he is a a stand-up guy, probably the most genuine person uh, that you'll ever (laughs) meet, especially within this hobby. And uh, you would would be doing yourself a great service to uh, go through him, have him handle your cards. He does a great job with that. And as you guys have seen from today in our conversation, very knowledgeable across the board with whether it's PSA, Beckett, CGC, very knowledgeable in all those areas. But Omash... I just want to thank you again, my friend, for being on today. Thanks for being here and uh, hope to have you on again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been super fun and I'm always available, man. Thanks for reaching out. Of course, buddy. Of course. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of the Pokemon Masterclass. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And we'll-